0: welcome to cat chat
1: hello everybody happy Tuesday November 2nd we are live from Minnesota the Twin Cities um, at the National Sports Center really cool it's where the Minnesota United are training and we're here with uh, with Twin Cities rush look at that Tyler I got a sticker. So, yeah, get like, I will. I'll, I'll for sure get a shirt, dude. Yeah, I'll sign it for you. Um, so we are joined by a true statement now: a hundredth win, Tyler Tomlinson. He just won his hundredth game. Uh, so con- congratulations on that, man. That's uh, that's kind of a big deal. It's one game, too.
0: Uh, number one yeah. Game. It's like a mid-Number one. You got the plaque going on good, too. Uh, it was good to not uh, have some going in. Did what? Yeah, you got you got a plaque as well, right? Uh yeah. Actually, my my play. Oh, yeah, my players actually did it for me.
1: Oh, Isn't man. That nice. Wow, you could kill some with that.
0: Yeah.
1: Hmm. Well, congratulations, <laughs> man! Very 100%.
0: dangerous. I, if <laughs> yeah, I drop yeah. it. I'm
1: gonna... <laughs> don't don't run with it in your hand. <laughs> All right. Well, today, uh, t- so Tuesday, we're talking about what, what do coaches look for uh, on, on skills as we're kind of still heading to the showcase season actually starts this weekend. And what do coaches look for? Is there is there a common theme um, that happens with with players? So um, we're going to we're going to get into that and uh, we'll bring on Nicole and, and we're going to get going. So this uh, this is Cap Chat. You're listening to CapChat, the number one soccer recruitment podcast in the United States. This is CapChat. All right. All right. All right. So we're going to bring on uh, Nicole. She is the assistant director of Rush Select and the director of operations in, uh, here at Twin Cities Rush. She just got her A license and was, and also, was also nominated and won the Boys uh, Coach of the, the Year. year. In Wisconsin. in Wisconsin. All right. Live from the National Sports Center here with Tyler's 100th win. We're talking about what coaches look for um, when they when they go to showcases and things like that as we kind of head into showcase season. Um, and so it's good. So Tyler, I do want to talk about your 100th win. Um, how many years did it take you to do that? I mean, pretty quick, right? Uh, this is
0: I'm in my 11th season.
1: The 11th season. That's quick. That's good.
0: Yeah, I've been, I've been lucky to, to have some good teams and have, you know, we only play 18 games. So, you know, it's a, it's a short season quite often. And, you know, to have the results that we've had over these years has been pretty good. So, you know, as I said, uh, yeah, and, and last Saturday was pretty fun. You know, we went down two to one at halftime and were able to score two goals in the second half. And, and on the road, a place we've never won before, actually, in my 11 years and, and be able to get the 100th win. So it was a good story. Uh, we clinched a playoff berth with the same win, so uh, a lot of cool things in one day. This is probably one of the best seasons you, you've had so far. Is that is that true? <laughs> yeah, we've uh, actually, I think, surpassed my best season already, um, and so we've tied like the record that was set in 2003 uh, with most team wins. So welcome to uh pass that Saturday. Um, we have 13 teams in our conference. We finished fourth, so we're hosting a playoff game. Never done that before, so a lot of a lot of cool firsts for this team. You know, this year.
1: What do you think? What do you think the difference is, though? You're coming in this year. Um, what what's the difference? Is there a different mentality? A difference? You know, what is it? There's a lot of things that make that click, obviously. But what is there anything like has stood out to you this year?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think any coach would tell you to have a really good year like everything has to come together right um last year being a COVID year you know we had some good players that like didn't even come to school right so we just didn't have them and uh you know we knew with those players on the roster and things like that we would be a better team um and then we had a girl get injured you remember we had a pretty serious injury last year um and we didn't have that player well she's back so you know I I think any coach will tell you a lot of things have to go right Uh, We recruited well, I think, knowing all those players are going to be back. So we didn't, you know, we we didn't miss on some kids. And so in the recruitment process, as we talk about on this show, just as a kid takes a a chance on a school, sometimes coaches take chances on kids. And, you know, sometimes it it doesn't work out for whatever reason or that kid has to develop for a little bit longer. Um, And so I think that the players we thought were going to help us out immediately have helped us out immediately. And so... Uh, It's kind of that perfect combination. I mean, if you want to look at like the coaching side of things, you know, we've implemented the system for like two, three, four years now, and people might have said like, hey, you don't have the talent to be running that kind of system, but for us, we felt like if we stick with it, once everything hits and clicks together, the players can really buy into our system and get the most out of it, and I feel like that's also happened this year, especially with our upperclassmen.
2: Yeah.
1: And and hey Nicole, question for you. So Nicole played D one and coached, and she's also the assistant director of, of of Rush Select. And then then we'll we'll dive into Tyler trends. Nicole, what do you as you build a team and in you know it, and what are some components that go into building a team and getting the team to, to buy in from from your side?
2: Sorry, you caught me off guard with the music there. Yeah, I think it's important, obviously, that the coaches in Rush Select have good leadership because it is a really short event. Um, we do virtual meetings with our teams before things kick off. That gives the players and the coaches a chance to get to know each other before they get on site for the event. But also having good leadership within the teams and a couple of players that are going to step up and help guide and bring everybody together quickly. Uh, we do a lot of team building virtually and then that first day with practice um, before the event kicks off and rush select. So, you know, I think finding players that know their their purpose and they're driven to reach certain goals, um, having like minded players together, that always helps as well.
1: Tyler, how how important is, is, is it in the collegiate game of of the team being bought in the team? You know, that that team aspect, how, I mean, how important is it? How much time do you spend on that?
0: Um. Well, you know, tactically I think we spend a lot of time just making sure that everyone understands their roles and that roles are very defined positionally uh, and what we expect of the players. Um, emotionally, you have to give that time to uh, college is lucky uh, that they have that longer preseason without the kids having to be in class and they can focus on soccer and, and each other for a while. Um, and I, I, I do feel that that's an important aspect to any team success is to, is to, I hate to use the word like minimize drama, but you know maximize togetherness is, is a better way. I think I would put it. Um, and this have every, I, I, but you know every year is different because you have different different new kids as a college coach. You have different kids leading as seniors, right? So every year is different. So you, you just have to kind of hope that you're putting in the time and effort for those middle groups as a coach. That'd be one of my pieces of advice. Is if you can if you can create some leadership groups within the rising sophomore, rising junior areas, then you can build their, your own leaders to when they're taking over, you have that um, consistency with with uh, a good togetherness for the group. But it t- it takes time though, honestly, you know, it does take time um, and it doesn't happen overnight. So you have to be, have the patience um, both on the field and off the field to understand that things have to, to work their way out. And sometimes the coach's job is just to manage all of that and, and not insert themselves. Yeah.
1: Yeah, very good. Um so I know we kinda of took a left turn there, so we uh we're gonna keep moving. Say hi to Ruthie here for uh for, for the most important segment.
0: It's time for Tyler's trends. Yes, I did I didn't get a cool intro like uh, Nicole's gangster's paradise, but I'll take Ruthie any day with her great uh British accent there. Uh so today's trend for me, Josh, today's trend for me is to this, this is my advice. You don't have to follow the trend. Okay. So I've had a couple recruits, um, they're, they're younger kids, sophomores, juniors. Right. And I think they're in kind of the, the freak out mode because maybe one or two of their friends has committed to a college. Right, and they're like, "Oh my God, do we have to commit? We have to commit right now because my friend just committed to a college." Mm -hmm. And you know, I, you know, for me, I was like, "That no, that does not mean that you have to commit right now. (laughs) This this isn't one of those things because you know, all of your friends buy a pair of shoes that you also have to get that pair of shoes. This is a bigger deal. Uh, This is where you might want to think about if those shoes are the right fit and the right style, and you're comfortable in those shoes before you just buy the shoes." So the trend and question I've been asked by some parents lately is like, should we be picking a school right now? Because, you know, her friend uh, Jenny did, and then her other guy friend, Jimmy did. So that means we have to pick a school right now, but we're not comfortable, but we might just pick one. And I'm like, Oh my God, no, (laughs) that is not the reason to pick a a team and and pick a college. So right now that's, that's a trend I've been seeing. Um, And I, and I've always said like everybody gets from A to B on their own time and their own path. Don't, base your path off other people's paths that's the worst thing you can do when it comes to picking a a college and so that pressure is kind of setting in or that trend that oh it's starting to happen around me that means it happened for me you you have to be able to rise above that and 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 be clear enough with your own path on this one josh
1: i do like that one though tyler trends is going against the trend (laughs) that's right (laughs) So what, so, so as, so, I mean, you're right. The question does happen come up, come up a bunch and, and w- when should I be committing things like that? And I know, like you said, there's, there's not a, it's not, that's not the easiest answer to, to be able to, to give them. Um, what about the coaches that will go to a player and say, I I need an answer by Friday. Like, are you, is that, is that a tactic you use or what's the logic behind that?
0: Well, first of all, it's a believable tactic. Um, there are schools with very few scholarships available for certain classes, but depending on the numbers that they already have at their school. So they may only have five good scholarship amounts for kids, just five, and they're recruiting 15 quality players. So that, that pressure might actually be realistic pressure, and I understand that. Um, so uh, it, in another sense, it is a tactic you know, for some coaches just to get an answer so they can either – you know get this player on their team immediately or move on with their life um you know so i, I would i would never say that that's a right or wrong tactic i will tell you that it, it can be very honest and very true and the intentions behind it could be uh real um but there are also different scholarship models out there and so asking the coach if if they have a pot of money or a percentage mm-hmm. of money is a really good question. I'm not sure that was on our list of like 500 questions, uh, but that's that's a really good question because a percentage of money doesn't run out and a lot of schools have moved to that. I know a lot of schools, um, you know, Division II uh, have moved to that scholarship model. Um, so that means you could give more time because it's just a balancing out the money kind of act. But the schools that are in a pot of money, yeah, it would run out. Um, so yeah, uh, my tactic is... I feel like if a coach really wants you, they'll wait for you. You know, if you're that important to them, you know, then then they'll say, hey, take your time for another couple weeks or a month or whatever you need, just keep me in the loop. But that's if they really want you, they'll do that for you. If they're if they're willing to move on from you after a week, then they don't really want you or they have someone that's just as good as you and you need to go somewhere else where you're more wanted. That's just my personal opinion. And and, and I'm not going against what the other coaches are saying, but that's just my approach to that one. Uh, I'm a I'm a balls in your court kind of person. If you visited. I've seen you play enough times and you have a GPA to get into school. I'm ready to offer you a scholarship when you are, but you have to make sure that you're ready uh, and then we can have that talk. So, What's the
1: repercussions if you accept the scholarship and then you think you rushed it and you try to get out of
0: it? I mean, Yeah, it depends on the level, right? Um, Or depends on if there's a coach change, depends on how early you commit to that school, you know? Um, for the NCAA, I mean, you you tell me you were that you were in that level. Is that a binding contract?
1: Well, once you sign the NIL, the National uh, Letter of Intent, it it, it is. Um, but you can verbally yeah. commit. But you a know, verbal um, is not correct. But I also wonder. I mean, I think it looks doesn't look the best if, if you if you just randomly verbally commit and then you back out of it because you know even though it's not legally binding, but I think it does look you know. We've had players that will verbally commit, and then they're still talking to coaches. And we said, like, listen, like you just committed here. Yeah. Or, or, or yeah. If you're not ready, that's okay, but you can't keep talking to the coaches. Um, you know, that's that, that's been my thought. Couple
0: weeks, a couple weeks ago, I had a kid that we contacted, and she said, well, I've committed to play for this school, um, but yeah, I'll come visit your school. And I was like, no, dude, I said, like, do not visit yeah. my school. I know the coaches at that school and I'm not cool with that. So we can talk, you know, later if, if, if all that ends, but definitely not right now.
1: Yeah. I think that becomes an ethical thing as much as we want to think everyone's doing the right thing. There are coaches who would, who would take advantage of that. I think, unfortunately. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So, well, good trend, good trend, not to have a trend. Um, so that's, uh, so let's talk to Nicole here and we're talking about what a coaches as we come to showcases, is there a common theme that, that players need to have that, that stand out? Um, you know, using both feet or head balls or fitness or leadership or things like that, you know, what do we specifically um, you know what what helps them stand out? You know, as you look in Nicole helps with with players across the country and the select and the Tyler Jobs recruiting, but what are some what are some skills that you think every player has to have um, to to play collegiate?
2: Yeah, sure. I mean, for me, it's always technical. You have to have a base technical level. Um, Obviously, the higher you go up in divisions, the more technically proficient you should be, but that's always what I'm looking for first. How's your first touch? Um, Can you receive with both feet? Can you pass with both feet? How good are you off the dribble? Are you comfortable in tight spaces? That's first and foremost what I'm always looking for in players. Um, each coach is going to be different. Some coaches really look like to look for speed or physical ability. Um, other coaches might look for vocal players, leadership. Um, some coaches are going to look for you know things that they currently don't have on their current roster. Maybe they don't have people who are comfortable um, in the air, so being a big presence in the air is something that could make you stand out Um, whatever it is you know be aware of what your thing is what your strength is and I would just say you know do your best to make it stronger and communicate it to coaches so that when they come to watch you play that they're they're looking for that
1: so you mentioned the baseline of, of technical ability is is so when you're looking at rush select players especially older players is it safe to say that every like you have to be proficient with left and right foot.
2: Yeah, I think so um now I, I, of course every player is going to still have a weak foot, but you got to be able to do the basics with both feet definitely.
1: Tyler what's your what's your is is that ring true for you? I mean I know that seems very very basic but when you're talking about a baseline of technical ability is is that a yeah. good baseline and good starting point like you have to you have to be proficient on on both feet.
0: Yeah, it would be ideal. Um, I can tell you, it doesn't happen. Uh, it, for me, it's like a for me it's like a sliding scale. You know, I I think I so I have three forwards that have a lot of goals this year, and I think all three of them are pretty one footed. I'm not. I mean, I'm not kidding. I, and I think it's a weakness of all of them. Um, and, and 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 to think about the amount of goals they've scored, they could score more. If they had, you know, like Nicole guiding them and pushing them to do those better things, you know, when they were younger. Um, And then in the same sense, I have some players that were okay with both or really good with one, okay with the other, and they've improved even at this level. So it's not something that you just give up on because you sign a letter of intent or something. So But as I said, it's a sliding scale. If they're so good technically, and they're so fast, and they have a a one good foot, it's gonna put them above a lot of other players still. You know what I mean? Is that what attracted you you to
1: them? That's what attracted you to them is the the speed, and, and then you kind of made up for, okay, they don't have that touch, but they got the speed?
0: Yeah, they're all three very fast. They're I know I said they're one footed and that's just oh, like hitting the ball like they can make a move with both feet. You know what I mean? Um, and, and so they're they're technically capable to, to keep the ball. Right. Those things are like like she said, the the base of just having that initial technical ability is a great start, you know, and that helps them a lot. Um, and But they can still there's still so much more room to grow and, and, and they haven't focused on that. No one said like, hey, like you could hit that ball with your left foot or your right foot they'd rather get to the stronger foot. And so that such a simple thing elevates your game so much because it makes you more dangerous in so many different situations.
1: Do You, and I see, and maybe it's more because I see more of the women's game. Um, and I, I find that if you're incredibly fast, it's hard to also have a great Technical ability as well. Like, if, it, it, I don't know. I don't want to say that's a blanket statement. I don't know, Nicole. You, do you see that as well? Like, players are just blazing fast. Like, it's the they, it's almost like their brain moves too fast.
2: Um, if I had to guess, I would guess that they probably get away with a lot of things at the youth level for being that fast. That they're not forced to have a high technical ability, um, and that's where maybe as they get older and they get into the higher levels, um, that's going to hurt them. So I would say, you know, when I coach division three, again, not to blanket statement anybody, but um, I think that's fair. It's common.
0: I I think it's common for both genders, Josh. Like I, I still see it even with our men's players here at Culver Stockton, our fastest guys, a lot of times are not the most technical guys. Right. But, you know, for either the men or the women's teams, whoever is the uh, let's say you are like more physically strong and you're you're not as fast. A lot of those players tend to be your more technical players. And so a lot of times you just get categorized at some point in your life as you're a middle of the field player because you're slower and stronger. And so because of that, naturally, like Nicole was saying, your technical ability just has to improve because you're always surrounded by other people. The faster kids growing up just get put on the wings and we we give them more room for mistakes uh with their technical ability because they have the space to do it so it's just a natural part of development i think well
1: i think also though a thing too in is as we talk about developing in true player development um and you got a player that is fast and unfortunately you see they just kick and run so i think nicole's point is, is that they were never forced to and we're such a man probably going off on a tangent, but we're such a results driven world with, with soccer. It's like, well, you got to win, got to win, got to win. And so now you're the fast player, just kick it up and over. And you look up in your freshman, sophomore in high school and you go, wait a second. I, you can't just kick up and over anymore. And so now they have to completely change their game because no one forced that early on to say, we're not just going to play kick and run. Um, I don't care about the wins as much. I want to develop a player. Um, I don't know, Nicole, you've been in the club scene way longer than I have, but do you think that holds true for a lot of, for a lot of players as as we're stifling their development?
2: I think it all depends, you know, on the environment that they come from. I think coaches have good intentions. Sometimes they're um, short-sighted because people want to win. Winning's fun. Um, it's definitely a hard thing to keep track and players bounce around from club to clubs too, which, you know, also adds into the mix of trying to develop a player. But yeah, if you have a player who's really physically gifted, um, getting them into different environments where you can try to even that out early on so that they can focus on technical ability, even if it's just once a week, um, I think that helps. Mm -hmm. So
1: and and how much of that though? I think also something is, you know, in the club scene, you get two to three days a week, and so, you know, Nicole, how much? Do you, I mean, how much of it do we have to rely on players to say, hey, hey, your left foot is not where it needs to be. You have to work on it on your own because we have three hours of training a week, and I, you can't pull Susie Snowflake aside every time to say get a better touch. How much of this goes back on the players to be able to 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 really focus on that and know what you need to work on.
2: Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, I think good clubs nowadays are all giving players player evaluations. Um, So when they get those evaluations, it's, it's definitely on them to work on their game and the technical aspect of their game is the easiest thing to work on by themselves. If you want to be a top level player, you've got to be putting in at least an hour on the ball every single day more if you really want to you know get into the professionals and those those type of levels but yeah if you're not if you're not training by yourself um, you're not doing enough
1: yeah um so how, so f- we know fitness is and we've kind of beat that one and you know you got to have fitness but you know Tyler as you're recruiting or Nicole as you're watching for select players we have you have sometimes such a short glimpse into a player you know you get 30 minutes here on the field is there a way that you guys look and go that kids fit because you get 20 minutes to watch this kid can you see fitness in that short amount of time
0: i think you can um and you can in little things right how is uh how is defensive recovery i think that's a really big important one that you can measure and it maybe not even be fitness and maybe just work ethic, right. Uh, which you could tie into fitness. I don't know. Maybe it's the same thing. Right. But the, so much of the game is, is spent in transition and how does that player do in those moments? Right. Is it, if it's a wing back and the ball's coming across the field to their side, are they bounding into the open space to try to help get the ball or are they just staying back and walking with the forward, right? Little things like that. If I'm a forward and I lose the ball, um, Am I the one that's working harder than anybody else to get it back? There's plenty of moments transitionally in a game to see what's the work ethic and is that tied to fitness? What's the fitness, right? So, I, I personally, I think that's those things are are um seeable for a coach and and measurable for sure. What do you think, Nicole?
2: Yeah, I would agree, especially on the transition moments. Um, that's something I enjoy working on in training, because I do think, you know, games are won and lost and individual players are developed much more in those moments because those are the difference maker moments. Um, Yeah, if you wanna be a lazy nine and (laughs) never get back, uh, that's fine, that's on you, but you know, the college coach is gonna notice that in the first five minutes he or she is there for sure.
1: What's a trait, Tyler, that, and, and Nicole, as you know, you're doing select, you see a player and it just immediately stands out for you? You know, probably more Tyler, obviously, recruiting, you know, the the, the women, you know, Nicole, you see both boys and girls. Is there something that as you're walking by a field or you're seeing a game and and a player does this and you go, wow, like, I'm now got to stop and watch this? Um, Is there anything like that you guys have seen?
0: Yeah, I mean, if it's going to do that for me, yeah, it – It would be a unique ability to create a yard of space in a tight situation, right? Like they have a way or a move or the ability to get out of a space, right? And then create more space uh, with the ball that, you know, that's, that's one of the, I think the toughest components, you know, in, in the recruitment process that you're looking at sometimes if people get themselves in a tough situation, but they're able to get out of it, that player might be able to handle some special things. Um, if I'm going to sit there for a while and I'm watching a kid, something that would really impress me is is just to watch their knowledge of space, right? How to, how to find open space, shoulder check, get into a spot, receive the ball, and then go somewhere else. Or to realize that the space isn't there anymore and leave that space and go somewhere else. So it may be a bit of a higher level um, tactically. So those are my two things probably that would that I really would look at to say like oh okay this kid's got a little different knowledge of the game or technical ability to the game Nicole well and that's all off the ball. you know because would they say you only have the ball at your foot for an average of
1: what was it three minutes in a 90-minute game so what do you do in the other 87 minutes and you know like you said moving off the ball what are you doing are you or are you staring up at the sky, going oh there's a bird um You know, so I think that's a great, that's a great point. Nicole, is there anything that you see that you go, wow, that kid, that kid has to be a select player. That kid has to be.
2: Yeah. I mean, I think moving off the ball is definitely a good one, especially in the college game. Um, But for me, I like players that aren't afraid to take risks. Um, And obviously there's always the risk versus reward piece of it. Right. But um, from any position players are going to take risks, whether it's, uh, a center forward a nine taking you know maybe two defenders on because they really want to score or maybe it's an outside back getting up all the way into the corner into the final third um it can be seen from any position it can be seen from the goalkeeper position right but players that take risks um they really want to win they play with their heart on their sleeve those are the players that make me just kind of stop and want to keep watching the rest of that game
1: yeah. For, <clears throat> for me, it's, it's, it's two things. It's the sound of, of, of striking a ball. Well, like that sound when it connects, I think I, I, you know, I always stop and go, Who oh, who hit that? Like you just, you hear that sound of a well hit ball. And I just stop and go that that. I mean, that, that was a good hit. And the second one is when, when you see players winning a ball out of the air Um, and I'll be walking by and someone just wins this prolific head ball or something. And I stop and go, OK, I'm not going to pay attention here because they just because that's a hard thing to do when they just, you know, like kind of Cole said, they wear their heart on their sleeve. They go all in and they win ball the, in the air. and I go, OK, I'm going to watch this kid for a second. And that may be the only thing they can do. Um, but for me, those are the two things that will make me stop. And, and as I'm going to a game that I'm going to be scheduled to watch, I'll stop and go, OK, let me watch this player for a second.
0: <laughs> no, you have your things. You gotta have your things. Nicole and I have our things. Everybody, every coach yeah. has that thing that makes them spin around and, and take a look, you know? And so Yeah. Um yeah, I I think your things are important and, and, and unique. Yeah, and unique <laughs> unique for stupid.
1: <laughs> so all right, well we uh we're gonna we're gonna since Tyler complained he didn't get a cool song. So now I'm ready um, for it. We're gonna and now now we're bouncing and moving up here and with Twin Cities Rush, um, the National Sports Center. If you ever get a chance to come up here, it's really cool. Um, cool facilities, great people up here. Um, so spend a couple of days here. Uh, but so live from the train center, we've had Nicole, who is a licensed coach now, and and. <laughs> Assistant director of Rush Select and Tyler Thompson who's ringing the bell with a hundred wins at Culver Stockton. Um, so any any last words, uh, Nicole? Tyler?
2: No, thanks for having me. Keep working hard in the field.
0: I don't want a signed shirt by Josh, by the way. He said that at the beginning of the show, <laughs> I don't want that. It's too late. You're you're <laughs> Dang, you're gonna get he, one and you're gonna wear it with pride. <laughs>
1: All right, everyone. This is this. Uh, this is. This has been CAPChat live, coming to you from uh, Twin Cities Rush up in Blaine, Minnesota. Thanks for listening to CAPChat, the number one soccer recruitment podcast in the United States. Be sure to check back every two weeks for new episodes of CAPChat, exclusively on the Rush Podcast Network. My name is Josh Tyler, and this is CAPChat.